Thank you for listening to this week's message from North Shore Christian Church. For more information about North Shore, please visit northshorechristian.org. Welcome, North Shore. My name is Pat Lassard. If you're new with us, I get to be one of the pastors. If you're new with us, we have a preaching team that shares the load of preaching uh, every single week. And so I'm one of the faces, one of the voices. And we are continuing this series as we launch in, um, relaunch our, our fall and our normal ministry rhythms uh, with a series of Welcome to North Shore. This is really an open book. This is who we are. This is what we're about. And over the course of, I think, going on 33 years of North Shore uh, with new leadership, new voices, and refining what our beliefs are, we've revealed this is what we're about. This is our goal. This is our target. This is our destination. This is what God has called us to. And we have as well revamped our statement of faith, which we revealed last week and uh, no, no major pivotal changes doctrinally or, or practice, but we did reveal that last week and we made it available in this form. And so if you didn't grab one of these, we have these available for you. Our ushers are going to make them available here in a moment for you as well. We had Sanjay Merchant uh, give a doctorate level dissertation last week on the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and all of that fit. I know. Yeah, go ahead. I, I actually have to listen to it again and going, okay. Let me just kind of chew on that some more. That was, that was so good. So we're going to set the, we're going to reset the bar low today. Okay. Um, but it was, it was fantastic. And he, he lumped those topics under uh, the broader topic of the Trinity. And so we're going to do that as well. Uh, go ahead and raise your hands if, if you need one. Now, over the five weeks that we're going to go over our statement of faith, we don't want you to collect five books. Okay, it's, they're all the same. It's not week one, week two. Um, and we also have them available digitally. If you go to our app, bottom of the uh, main, uh, main screen, go to homepage, and then go bottom of the next page, resources. On our website, at the top, uh, I'm new and what we believe. Okay, we have it digitally in the abbreviated version, just the statements, as well as the full version with all of the scripture references. So, Something that Sanjay said last week was that these statements are completely comprised of scripture. As I went through it, I believe it's around this ballpark of the statements make up about 15% of these 38 pages and about 85% of them are scripture. So I hope that communicates something to you. I hope that's clear of uh, we believe the word of God is the word of God. And we base uh, uh, our decisions, our life, our view off of the word of God. We conform to God's word. We don't make it conform to us. Can I get an amen? amen. Okay, so that, that's who, that is part of who we are. And it's from that point, these other beliefs come in. Today, we're continuing in the statement of faith, talking about man, mankind, the fall and redemption. And just like Sanjay took the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and talked about the Trinity, we're doing that with mankind, the fall, redemption, and we're talking about the gospel. Uh, when I think about the gospel, I think about, well, it means good news. And there are some questions that a gospel goes about answering. And so I want to look at those. Um, question like, where is true life found? The life that is truly life, where is it found? What is the purpose of life? 
Where do I get my identity from? And then how do we find salvation from an evil and corrupt world? How do I find rescue and respite from what is broken in this world? And so we're going to look at answering those questions and see how the gospel answer those. Now, there isn't just one gospel in this world. There's actually a lot of gospels. And I want to just kind of present a handful of them to you right now and talk through them. There's the I'm a good person gospel. That is, if God is good, then he'll recognize I'm good, right? I haven't killed anyone. Therefore, he should let me into heaven. And then we're going to go from left to right, okay? Then there's the I'm dirt gospel. You could say it different ways, but I am too far gone. I've made too many mistakes. I cannot be rescued. That'd be more of a bad gospel, right? The bad news. But he can't save me. I've done too much. There's the relativism gospel. There's no absolute truth. What's true for you is true for you. What's true for me is true for me. Political gospel. That salvation will come by our activism and political reform. Secular humanism gospel. That there really is no God. Science is God. It's all up to us to save ourselves. Progressive Christian gospel. You take the Bible and you pick what you want. You get rid of what you don't want. And you make God say what you want him to say. The Christian consumer gospel. It's all about me and my preferences, my likes, my opinions, my comfort zone. Discipleship to Jesus doesn't cost hardly anything. Easy believism. Hell insurance. There's the many roads gospel. Jesus is a way. Because there's lots of ways. There's the health gospel. If I have a certain level of health and a certain uh, view of myself and I allow my body, make my body to be attractive according to what the world says, then I have found life that is truly life. There's the wealth gospel that if I uh, work hard and I have a solid security in my financial portfolio, then I find life that is truly life and I will be saved from the dangers of life. There's the special knowledge gospel, elitism, in, uh, intellectualism, and only us. You have to be like this person to have these type of degrees, this pedigree, or whatever it may be. Us four no more, and, uh, and it's knowledge that saves us. There's the political thinking gospel, and this is where the secret was really popular. It's my energy aligns with the universe's energy, and, um, and if you're smart, you will align your energy positively with the universe's positive energy in order to bring about the destiny that you are wanting. Ultimately, you're in control. You're our, you are God. There's a legalist gospel. You guys getting tired of these yet? It goes. It keeps going. There's a legalist gospel. Do good. Be good. Stay within the rules. And that is life. That brings life. There's the opposite of that. There's the rebellious gospel. This is like the anarchist and, and the gangster uh, that you reject all authority. You do your own thing. You are your own boss. There's the self-help gospel, self-realization, self-actualization. You can improve yourself. And that is how you find salvation. There's the hedonist gospel, live for pleasure. You get to define it. It's about you pleasing yourself. And then one more, 
there's the environmentalist gospel. Popular in the Pacific Northwest, right? Serve Mother Earth, bow to Mother Earth, Mother Earth. If you're good to her, she will rescue and save us all. Question for you. Before Jesus, uh, assuming the majority of people here believe in Jesus, follow Jesus, before Jesus, what one did you try and find hope in? Even now, okay, uh, assuming the majority of us are Jesus followers, what one do you still have tendency towards? There are a lot of gospels, competitors of our hearts and our attention, these voices, right, to answer the questions of what is the purpose of life? How do I find life that is truly life? Where do I find my identity? As well as how do I find salvation to be saved and rescued from these evil, corrupt things in in the world, in myself, in others? And in this list, there are actually a lot of truths in a lot of those mixed within them, lowercase t truths. But fortunately, and it's why we gather here, there is an absolute truth. And for that, we have to look to the author of truth, the one who has said and spoken and defined and created. So that's where we begin, okay? So we're gonna dive into mankind and start there. Page 15. We believe God created the heavens and the earth and everything in them. God created mankind in his image and likeness, male and female, to walk in relationship with him and to glorify, love, worship, and obey him. God declared that all of his creation was very good. God blessed mankind and charged them with multiplying throughout the earth. Mankind is to exercise dominion over creation and bring order through development and maintenance of family and work and government and culture and to carry God's model of work of the Garden of Eden which reflects his character and nature into the rest of the world. Now, as we look at these mankind, the fall and uh, redemption, uh, I counted there's 63 scripture references in support of these three statements. So it's chock full. We're not going to read every one of them. I'm actually not going to read the majority of them. They are there for you. Okay, go ahead. Knock yourself out. Study like we've been studying. Okay. Um, But we will highlight some of these. Okay. Um, And I'm going to bring just a couple of these things to the surface. Notice in this statement, man didn't make God. Man didn't believe up God. Man came from God. Notice man is not the result of monkeys. We don't believe that. Notice what it's not saying too. And we're not space dust, right? We we are purposefully designed and created by a purposeful creator. See last week. Notice also this statement of male and female. Now, there's a reason we purposefully added that. Because scripture does. And it's a pretty big deal within our culture to talk about that. And so uh, we believe that God has created mankind 
in two versions, if you will, male and female. That's important. There are a lot of truths out there, and it's really easy for us to make up our own version of truths, as you saw that list of the Gospels, right? And our own tendency to chase after one or hear certain voices and follow them, right? There's a lot of truths. And when we try and define truth outside of the capital T truth, it's really easy for us to get off track. Just look at human history. Romans 1 says it very clearly that when we try and define life on our own terms, it's really easy for us to get off track. And so there is male and female according to the one that created them and designed them. And in the midst of the confusion and perversion, I want you to know, I actually have a lot of compassion for our, our, our culture and for um, my generation and younger generations that are well, it's not even just limited to those generations that are really confused about gender. Um, Actually, I'll I'll, I'll say it this way. Um, The Bible is unapologetically saying that God made male and female. Without fail, the Bible consistently equates gender to biological sex. Okay? Okay. Now, with that, have you ever, I'm going to switch gears here real quick. Have you ever read the Bible and said, when you read these stories and you're like, what a moron. Like, why would they have done that? Like, didn't they know this is how the story goes? What a maroon. I believe the Bible does that in part as a mirror. So it's easy for us to see fault in someone else. It's easy for us to poke fun of someone else's faults and failings and struggles and go, I I can't even believe it. I would never do that, right? Well, apart from God, there's a lot of things that we'll do. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of compromises that we'll make. And I love Jesus's words in Matthew 9 when he talked about the crowd and he saw how blind and dark they were. It says he had compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And I think that's God's, obviously that's God's posture. And I think that's the posture that he wants us to have. When we see someone else's sin, when they try and define and find life that is truly life outside of the one who provides life. I think, I think that's an important posture for us to engage versus a self-righteous. I would never do that. They're an idiot. You know what I mean? Hope I'm being clear enough in that. Okay, let's continue on. Um, There are some important questions that we answer in this statement. Like, what is the purpose and meaning of life? Notice that second statement. God created mankind in his image and his likeness, male and female, to walk in relationship with him, to glorify, love, worship, and obey him. Why am I here? The biggest question in life. Why am I here? What's the purpose and meaning of life? God has an answer for that. We don't have to walk around aimless. It's amazing. It is amazing. There is purpose. There is meaning in life. Where do I find my identity? 
from the one who made me. What is my value? He says what my value is. He says you are good. When he made you, he said you are good. So if you listen to any other voice that says anything different, it is not from God, not from your creator, not from your maker. You are good. He said that. Genesis 1. That's a wonderful, powerful truth. Genesis 1.31 says, God saw everything that he made and behold, it was very good. Now I want you to notice, he didn't say he saw everything that he made and it was very perfect. He didn't say that. He said it was very good. He goes on and he says, go and have dominion. Go and multiply. In Genesis 2, 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to work it and to keep it. He entrusted us with his work to continue on. He wants us to partner with him in this life, in his work, not to be selfish, self-centered, thinking we're the center of the universe and it's all about us and he should follow us around and fulfill our dreams and our desires. No, he wants us to partner with him in his work. It is incomplete until he comes back and makes all things perfect. That's when things will be perfect. And so, Let's boil these things down. Here's the takeaway that I want for you to have in this statement. You have a creator. You are made by him. He says you are good. And he wants you to partner with him in his work. Okay? That's the statement, mankind. Let's go on to page 18, the fall. We believe that Adam and Eve, due to Satan's deception, freely chose to disobey God in eating the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. By this, they broke relationship with God and brought physical and spiritual death and decay into all creation and suffer the consequences of their disobedience. As a result, mankind is corrupt by nature. We sin both because of our choice and because we carry the nature of sin within us as the offspring of Adam and Eve. Because each of us are sinners, we are condemned to die in our sin, sealing our eternal destiny. Here's a few things I want you to notice. Notice there is a Satan. He's not a, just a force. He, he's an actual being. Satan means adversary or accuser. He's not good. He doesn't, he does not have your best interests in mind. Uh, we really believe he really exists. As true as there's a God, there's also Satan. And he is the adversary, the accuser of the brethren. Revelation 12, 9 uh, uh, highlights clarity on this and, and on who he is. And it's in regards to this heavenly battle that's taking place. The great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth. Now, what is his agenda? Well, 
his primary agenda is to be God, but if he can't be God, which hasn't worked out well, he wants to hurt God. Well, how do you hurt God? You hurt his kids. That's the best way to hurt God. You hurt his kids. You want to hurt a parent? Right? And so that's his agenda. Notice also, in addition to this factor, this variable, Satan, uh, they freely chose. They freely chose sin. Now, think about this. You have an excuse when you sin. And we'll get into it. There's this broken, corrupt part of me, right? There's this longing for sin, this, this desire, this corrupt part that, that I have this propensity towards, this leaning to certain sins to find comfort, solace, pleasure, whatever. Honesty in church. Can I get an amen? All right. You got you to know yourself, right? In addition to, you also have an excuse of going... My parents divorced. My marriage failed. Um, I made these poor choices and it led to this. Um, I suffered abuse, blah, right, and on and on and on. There are things that have hurt us, right? A lack of nurture, comfort, security, whatever it is that play into our brokenness, which leads us and makes us that much more vulnerable to choosing Ways that are not God's ways. True? Adam and Eve had neither of those excuses. They didn't have a sinful nature. And they didn't have parents that divorced or allowed them to be abused or anything. They freely chose. They freely chose. And from that, all sorts of things fell apart. Genesis 3, 5 says, for this is what Satan said to them in deceiving them. He says, for God knows that when you eat of this fruit, it will open your eyes and you'll be like God knowing good and evil. So you have this picture, think like 360 degrees. God is saying, you can have any of this, any of this. Oh, you can have this too. Oh, this is wonderful. Oh yeah. Just, hey, just don't do this. Just don't do that. And then Satan's like, hey, if you have this, you're going to be like God. Were they already like God? They were. They were made like God. They were already like God. They were already like God. Made in his image and his likeness. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. Did they know good? Man, did they, they knew good better than we knew good. There was one thing they didn't know, and that was evil. <laughs> sad. How sad. But if it was you or me, we would have done the same thing. History has proven himself over and over again. And so... The, the consequences came. Physical death came. Spiritual death came. Their spirit died. Their physical bodies died. It didn't happen all then and there, but God allowed those consequences to exist, knowing it was a part of his grand plan. 
Romans 5.12 says this, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all have Right? So we become sinners in that process. Our, our identity is marred. We are good and we have sin. There's this sinful nature, this broken, corrupt part of us that exists within us. We are not bad. He didn't say that. But we have bad within us. And then it finishes this statement, it finishes with this. Because each of us are sinners, we are condemned to die in our sin, sealing our eternal destiny. That is something we believe as well. And I think it's in three Sundays we'll talk in detail about that. Uh, But there is a true eternal destiny, meaning um, when we die, we don't just float. Our souls just don't float out there. When we die... We don't become angels and get wings. When we die, um, um, we don't become a star in the universe. When we die, we don't just cease to exist. Hebrews 9.27 says, it's appointed for man to die once and then face judgment. You still exist in that, and there is an answer to be had. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Notice this about life, right? Life is a testing ground. It is a proving ground. You get one chance. You get one chance in this life to be about what you're gonna be about. What are you gonna be about? You're gonna be about sin? That's the natural propensity. That's the gravitational pull is strong. And we will answer for that. You get one shot in this life. Who are you gonna be? What are you gonna be about? What are you gonna live for? How are you gonna define your identity? Where are you gonna find life that is truly life? What are you going to find comfort and solace in to save you from the evil and corrupt of this world? You get one shot. And after this one shot, you answer to the one. Now what? I want to wrap this section up here with this. This statement and what we've been talking about is a deeply profound truth. It's a diagnosis of the human nature and the world condition. Why would God allow, there's kind of two components to this, why would God allow this person to hurt me? Well, he gave them freedom to choose because he made them like him. Why would God allow you to hurt somebody else by your selfish, self-centered Choices that you've made in life. Well, because he made you like him. And that freedom to choose is powerful. Powerful. And he gave you that freedom to choose. But why wouldn't God stop those things, those evil things, those broken things within me? Why wouldn't he stop me from making those choices? Why wouldn't he stop them from making those choices? Why wouldn't he stop these horrendous, horrific, catastrophic things? 
Well, he made us like him and that's powerful. And one of those powerful components is he gave us the freedom to choose and to think and to feel and to be rational, to perceive, to process, and then to make decisions, to think through consequences even. And then why is there so much sickness in this world? Why is there so much brokenness? Why is there so much evil? Why is there so much corruption? Because of sin. Because we wouldn't trust God. Because we wanted what we wanted when we wanted it. Dot, dot, dot. So as you look around and you ask those questions, you know, man, why? Why this? Why that? Well, because of sin. Well, because of sin. Well, because of sin. But why wouldn't? Well, because he made us like him, and that's really powerful. That's a huge responsibility. So I want to paint this picture here. When you have stage four cancer and it's metastasized, it, it is spread throughout your body. And the, the diagnosis is that. And the remedy is a Band-Aid and an aspirin how do you feel? I'm going to put like some lotion on your feet and I'm going to put the best band-aids. I'm going to put the best band-aids. They're really pretty. And I'm going to give you highest dose of Tylenol as much as you want or whatever. You get it. It's a stupid, it's stupid, right? You're not addressing the root problem. You're not addressing the real issue. That's what we do with sin when we go about answering the problem of sin within as well as outside with these false gospels. When we try and chase down, where, is I, where am I gonna find life that is truly life? How do I find my identity? How do I find rescue and salvation from evil and corruption in this world? When I chase any false gospel, I'm putting a Band-Aid on a death sentence. So the takeaway from this section is sin is the diagnosis of the human nature and condition of the world in addition to this powerful ability and responsibility to make decisions because he has made you like him. Lastly, redemption. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Let's get to that. Redemption. <laughs> Ugh. We believe the central purpose, page 21, of God's revelation is to call all people into fellowship with him through repentance of sin. In spite of mankind's sinful nature, God continued to love them and desired to restore relationship, which they forfeited with him by their sin. God sent his son Jesus to be the atoning sacrifice on the cross, shedding his blood for the forgiveness of sin and being rescued for our redemption to be the Lord and Savior for all who believe in and receive him. Therefore, those who receive Christ are in Christ with Christ in them and no longer are under condemnation they deserve. They are set apart to walk in the newness of life as adopted children of God being given the righteousness of Christ and the promised Holy Spirit with the hope of eternity with him. This salvation is entirely a work of God's free grace, not the result in whole or in part of human works or goodness, 
but received by faith alone, which itself is a gift of God. Yay! (laughs) That's so much better news. Man. I want to highlight a few things here in this. God's heart is to restore and reconcile. God's heart is to bring about wholeness and peace of relationship. That's his part. And he does all the heavy lifting. We have a part and it starts with repentance. That can be a big, scary word to some. It doesn't have to be. It's actually a beautiful, powerful word. It simply means change of mind. It's not something that you do once. It's something that in John the Baptist's words, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Like maybe it was like 20 years ago, you repented. You like changed your mind and saying, I'm not going to be about this anymore. Right? You and you didn't. You continued to walk that out. You are continuing to bear fruit in keeping with repentance that decision that you made 20 years ago. And so he wants us to repent as we have those sinful things that are self-destructive, that destroy others, that destroy relationship, that break relationship, that separate us from God, that compromise who we are and our identity and our value, our dignity and our worth or others. He wants us to turn from, change your mind. Don't do that. Don't be about that. Right? And turn to him. Repentance. Continue to do that. Continue. Our life as a Christian should reflect repentance. Continually. Continually. Notice grace. In spite of ourselves, undeserved favor, grace upon grace, he gives us. In spite of ourselves, we don't deserve it, but he shows us grace. He gives us grace. He sends his son as grace. And he sends his son to atone, meaning to cover. I heard it this way, and I liked it. If we were to go out to lunch, let's say Roger and I went out to lunch. And I said, oh, shoot, man. Normally, we'd, you'd buy yours, then I'd buy mine, but I forgot my wallet. Hey, would you cover me? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'll cover you. You know, no big deal. That's a tone. I screwed up. I should have brought my wallet, but I didn't. Now it, it's on you. Would you? Yes, I will cover you. I will pay your price for you. Jesus paid your price for you. He atoned. He covered your part. That's grace. So that we would follow him as Lord and Savior. Not just Lord, not just Savior. He is both Lord and Savior. He is both boss and king, Lord, and he is Savior. He is our rescuer. So that we would believe in and receive him. Second um, James 2 says that demons believe. So you have adversaries of God believing. So that's certainly not the solution, right? Is to know that God exists, to acknowledge that God exists, or like an agnostic, maybe there's a God, you know, kind of thing. But to know who he is, in addition to receive him, that is acknowledge he is Lord and Savior. Make him your God, as we saw Jacob did last week, your God. And then for all who do that, you are my Lord and my Savior. I believe in you and I receive you. We are in Christ. And I heard it explained this way the best. The best way I've uh, kind of wrapped my brain around that. Uh, Question for you. How many of you have served in the military? Show of hands. Loud and proud, please. 
Thank you for your service. Thank you for your sacrifice. And as you were in the military, you were in the military regardless of where you were in the world. You were all over the world and you were in the military, right? You were in the military. You are in Christ, regardless of where you are, where you go, you are in Christ. As if you're in the military, you're active duty, it doesn't matter where you are, you are in Christ. You belong to him, he belongs to you, you are his, you are in him. You are in him. And then there is no condemnation, Romans 8.1, for those who are in Christ Jesus because the law, the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. Amen? And we are made new and we are adopted as his kids and we are given Christ's righteousness, his rightness, his goodness, and we have the hope of eternity and that's proven by Jesus' resurrection. And then we're given the promised Holy Spirit. You could not be a Christian without the Holy Spirit, people. If you don't understand that, you need to study that. You need to talk to God about that. You cannot be a Christian. You cannot follow God if you do not have the Holy Spirit. He is the one that powers you, enables you, guides you to even follow him. Walk with him. Be obedient. It's crucial. He's crucial, rather. And with that, I'm going to wrap this up here uh, with our next steps as we kind of piece some of these things together, okay? I want to come back to what I said earlier with the mankind piece. God wants to use you. Many in our world need to know the real, true gospel. Maybe you're in here and you haven't acknowledged him as your Lord and your Savior. You haven't believed and received him It's not an accident that you're here. He's at work in your life, drawing you. He wants you to know him, acknowledge him. He's calling you as he calls everyone. Uh, Acts 17 says this, the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. That change of mind. Your way isn't working really well. (laughs) Follow me, choose me. He has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, that is Jesus. And this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Jesus is proof. Jesus' life is proof. Jesus' death is proof. Jesus' resurrection is proof that God's serious. He means business and he loves you and he wants you to know him. My question for you in this gospel, this mankind, the fall and redemption is, are you Christian? Are you sharing your story? Are you sharing your story? Not the Christianized, sanitized, edited version. Are you sharing your real story? God wants to use you. He wants you to partner with him in his redemptive work of saving a broken, dying world. Are you allowing God to use you? My life was changed as a guy shared his story with me. It messed with me. It did not fit into my normal church box. 
and it wrecked me in a good way. And I had to process it. I didn't make any decisions based off of it, but it, it sat in there. And then a few months later, some stranger came up to me tastefully on the street. He says, hey, you wanna hear about Jesus? Uh, well, I grew up in church and I kind of heard it all before, but yeah, sure. And he told me about Jesus loving me and dying for my sin and anyone who calls on him could be saved and things like that. And, uh, and so I didn't do anything with that then either. And then, you know, I continue to process these things. And, um, and then there was that, that, that concept of hell that I, you know, it did, didn't sit well with me. And if that's true at all, um, that's scary. And I know my life was not God honoring. I was doing my own thing. And, uh, and so, and I could die at any moment. People do, right? And so that, that propelled me, right? These pieces propelled me as God allowed other people to use them it changed my life forever are you allowing God to use you God wants to you to tell your story are you telling Jesus's story that's my hope that's my hope In Christ alone, my hope is found. Can I get an amen? He is my light, my strength, my song, this cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled, when striving cease, my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand.